Christmas services can sometimes be just a little too comfortable, like pulling on a much-loved, if not often used, old sweater. The familiar words of the carols echo reassuringly from our childhood. The readings, especially in the King James Version, have the lilt of poetry about them. And in an ideal world, this sense of comfort and well-being is only heightened by the prospect of food and fellowship and fun with family and friends afterwards. These services, indeed Christmas as a whole, are the reassuring still point at the center of a spinning world. Except for this year. This year we can't really gather together to worship. We couldn't have sung even if we had gathered. And a family get-together with anyone outside our bubble is very much off the agenda. So, is Christmas pretty much lost? Should we just write it off and come back next year when things are back to normal? Well, I don't think so. Because what this year has done is to have strangely, perhaps counterintuitively, revealed things that might otherwise have remained hidden things of real value and lasting worth. And this unveiling, this revelation, arises precisely at the intersection of the pandemic and the Christmas story. The first revelation is the Christmas story itself. Stripped of its tinsel and reassuringly familiar rhythms, think about it. This is God, the creator of the universe, the all-powerful, coming down to earth to take the form of a human, to be born in total vulnerability, to live as one of us, to learn what we are like, and ultimately, to die that we might be forgiven. It's an incredible story but also a story not without its own very dark shadows. In Matthew's Gospel, we hear that when King Herod learns of Jesus' birth from the three kings, he orders the massacre of all children under two in Bethlehem, and the Holy Family have to flee as refugees into Egypt. In Luke's Gospel, we hear Simeon in the temple telling Mary, the new mother, that her son will both face and cause conflicts. And that, as a result, a sword will pierce her own soul too. And really, truly, hasn't it felt at times this year like when a sword has pierced our own souls? So the Christmas story is not a happy ever after. It is deeply realistic about the ways of the world, good and bad. And it doesn't pretend that the birth of the baby is going to make everything all right. This baby doesn't have a magic wand and is not going to sort things out for us. However, and much, much more importantly, this baby, who is God, is going to be with us, is going to travel with us in the story of our lives in bad times as well as good. Quoting from the prophet Isaiah, Matthew relates the prophecy, Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, 
and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That's the Christmas story which this pandemic year allows us to see. That God came down to earth in complete vulnerability to be with us, not to fix things and make everything all right, not to do things for us. No, rather, he came to walk alongside us in difficult times, to comfort us when we're troubled, to keep us standing up when we feel like falling down, to keep us moving forward when we just want to stop, and to be the light that St. John talks about when everything else seems dark. And the second revelation or gift from this pandemic year relates to the possibilities opened up around race. Perhaps only in a time when so much is uncertain, when so much of what previously seemed immutable suddenly no longer is, could this opportunity arise. The Black Lives Matter movement, which gained so much momentum following the death of George Floyd in May, has opened up questions not just of individual wrongs, but of more fundamental issues around systemic racism and the structure of our government, our businesses, and our faith institutions. But how does this interact with the Christmas story, you might wonder? Well, contrary to thousands of stained glass windows, including the one I have to say right behind me, and church banners, and even Christmas cards, the baby Jesus was neither white nor fair-haired. He was born a low-status Middle Easterner in a deeply unsettling country which was writhing under the heel of a brutal imperial power. Furthermore, Mary was a single mother, betrothed to Joseph but not carrying his child. In a beautiful early 19th century Greek revival church, it's easy to lose sight not just of the radical fact that God came to earth to be with the poor and the oppressed, but that even more radically, God came down as one of them. And it is this idea both of radical equality as well as God's scorn for our human power structures, that is a crucial part of the Christmas story. As Mary says in the Magnificat, a famous song of praise while she's pregnant, God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. And in this strange time, stripped of both our comforts and our comfortable assumptions, we can suddenly see the crushing burden that we place upon the poor, the disadvantaged, the frontline workers, and with even more clarity, the burden we place on people of color who face discriminations and indignities large and small, conscious and unconscious, individual and systemic. As you know, six months after being physically at the center of the protest this summer, many at St. John's have covenanted to a year-long dialogue that involves digging deep into ourselves 
to understand why what we regard as normal and normative is in fact, whether or not you like this exact term, white privilege, as well as being unchristian. This pandemic year and this Christmas story have helped to break this open. And while that might at first seem like a problem, like a burden, it is becoming clear that in fact, it is the very opposite. Now, I should say that I have no illusions that this pandemic has been for many of you anything other than an incredibly difficult time. Perhaps because of illness or bereavement. Perhaps because of job or money worries. Perhaps because of shattered dreams or opportunities which will never come again. Perhaps because of more difficult familial relationships or diminished personal ones. But in the Christmas story, in this very difficult year, there is real gift. Not an easy promise quickly forgotten, nor shallow optimism quickly disproved. Not something enticing yet insubstantial, not something glitzy but fleeting. No, this one, this gift, comes in one simple yet momentous promise and it's in three parts. I will be with you always until the end of time. I will be with you always until the end of time. I hope that you'll accept this promise, this gift, this Christmas. Amen.